throw my water out as well. What is that? I have two cups of water to start with, but I lay it all out on here. I set out, I've got the water, my Scrabble, my Dialer friend, so that's not much going on there. Are you sure it's not Dialer Ride? Probably Dialer Ride as well. And I go to pick up my water, and you know, it's like a Paul Daniels trick. It's gone! What as if it just evaporated, just like that. You know what that is? It's a computer. Oh, OK. But, the strange thing is, we're not, we're not meant to know it's a computer. Oh. And the reason we're not meant to know it's a computer, because... It's hidden, and it's hidden in a, in a, in a black bin line, a box. Okay. He, he thinks nobody's going to know that's a computer. First thing I looked, I said, it's an iMac, isn't it? He went, yeah. <laughs> I said, why is it like that? He said, so nobody knows what it is. <laughs> I thought, you'd, you'd lose the will to live, don't you? I mean, it's, it's an iMac. Sam, it's an iMac. <laughs> it's quite you a big... Actually, I think that's about the size I had. That's about, is that 20 inch? 24, is it? Oh, 24, <laughs> it's 24. It's 24, OK, so... Oh, I couldn't bear to be outdone on the inch department. <laughs> 27 is the biggest. Have you seen the ones in Capital upstairs? Oh, yeah. One of those is going home, I'm telling you Actually, today. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're massive. Yeah, huge. So this isn't a conversation, <laughs> Tanker. I just thought I'd mention this to you now. Just take, take your computer out. He's taking all this out. I mean, it's, you've noticed it, it's like... I've noticed anything like it. He's got two cases. He's got a backpack, a coat... Well, he's going, um, and he's a computer. going back home. Well, so, yeah, but has he been on the rob? Yeah, probably. Has he been on the, on the building? Did you watch know. X Factor last night? How is it possible that Rachel, who can't sing Katie. for a toffee... Katie, sorry. Who can't... Who, they gave her the stupidest song ever. Mm. A, a man's song, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, sung by a woman who can't sing, yeah. is even worse. But she, she does pull it out of the bag for those survival songs. She's not brilliant, well, She didn't pull it out of the bag for the Elton John song. Can I tell you how, how brilliant would take that, though? Oh, really? Oh, I'm sorry, I was just going to tell you the opposite. Oh, really? What, what was going on with Robbie with a, a nodding head? Yeah, he, I mean, he did look like he did. He looked like he was about to have a breakdown but again. I, I loved and him Howard had to keep putting his arm around him. As if to go, and they were all going, come on, Robbie, you can do it. I'm thinking, Christ, you're going to nurse him as well through this. Oh, I, th- I thought they he were great. He was terrible. Though. I thought they were great. He was bloody awful. I I don't, and that's what the critics have said today. Well, They've said I Robbie looked great. like he was going through one of his strange phases. Where he spent his time not looking as though he was actually part of them, but like they were his backing singers. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Noticeable. At one point, poor little, who's the little boy who cheated Mark on his Owen. wife? Mark Owen. Mark. He had to sort of reassure him, he was going, you know. Yeah, I'm no, thinking, no, they were just they were vibing on stage. He was like, Come they weren't on. vibing at all. They were. They were, they were sitting there thinking, it. "We now got to split the money five ways with the dipstick who walked out on us." Oh, he God. was he was off his trolley last night. He, he, this he did, nodding he of did the head like was, he was tired and emotional. It has to be said. It was rubbish. He was he he, he, he can't sing. He didn't look as though he was part of Take That. <laughs> I'm sorry, they don't need. Was there him. anyone that you liked on the panel? No, nobody at all. Anyone at all? No. In fact, I've I've even gone off Simon Cowell. Really? T- why have you just logged off? I've just logged on. Oh, well, I know it wasn't working, but I was leaving it. I was leaving it because I enjoyed looking at my name on the screen. Bloody hell, honestly. So, um, no, I'm even got off Simon Cowell. I think there's too much Simon Cowell on television now. Jeez. Every programme. And also, he says the same to everybody. Even when they're rubbish, he goes, you're really good. And then Cheryl chips in, looking like Minnie Mouse. What, what the, the hell was going on with your with hair, hair, darling? Who styled that? She... I, th- I think her oh. style is appalling. Danny Minogue looks fabulous. She looks terrible. But even Danny then rounded on Louis, who sometimes comes up with the biggest pile of doodars you've ever read. He says to, uh, to Wagner, who he calls Wagner, he said, you remind me of a young Elton John. <laughs> even Simon Cowell went, perhaps it's Louis' time of the month or something. Uh, you remind me of a young Elton John. A young Elton John. But Elton John did criticise the show, so I'm wondering if that's a veiled insult. 
Because Elton John said that the show was absolutely yeah, terrible. Everybody so they came back by doing Elton John. Yeah, every time I've seen Louis being interviewed on another programme, they, they put him down as, as this sort of man with a wicked tongue. He's no such thing. He's a kindly old gentleman who likes boy bands. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing you can say about him. Did you hear the boos for Wagner when he got through? Huge boos. Well, I'm not at all surprised. Wagner, who can't sing. Katie, who really can't sing. Cher was marginally better. Quite clearly realised, if you don't change your attitude, love, you're going to be kicked out. Uh, but she is turning into Cheryl. Yeah, but I think there's an ironic anagram because Cher Lloyd is actually an anagram of old Cheryl. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, what, d- d- does the Cher Lloyd have a real name? No, that is her name, Cher oh, Lloyd. Oh, she was named after, if I could turn back time, Cher. God. That's, her parents that's when you realise how old you are, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. I remember, if I could turn back time. Totally. You know, that one, yeah. The cruise ship. No, it was not a cruise ship, it was an no, army it wasn't warship. Cruise ship. Yes, it was on a warship with those huge big guns mm. which came out. She, she attempted one to straddle. As well, she did straddle one. Yeah, she did. So easily, I Good thought. Honor. And her poem was phenomenal. Her sonship. No, wait a minute. She has a, she has a daughter who, who became a son. Yeah, chastity became, well, Chaz. Chastity. I ask you. Let's call the girl Chastity, shall we? Oh, but Chastity was a very cute little girl when there was a, when it was the Sonny and Cher yeah. show she used to come out and be all cute but then she, she really? went in a different direction I think that's Hollywood parents but I mean I'm sorry I'm losing the will to live with the X Factor yeah. because and then we had little One One Direction that's four little boys with sort of 12 year old hairstyles mm. uh, who Do you see them wearing baby groves this week yes but they can't sing <laughs> we've heard them singing and all their Harmony stuff is uh, is is multi-tracked. Yeah, it's backy vocals. It's backy vocals on yeah. that. So if you actually and then who do we have? We had JLS, who were on. They're very all promoting a free single. So in fact, you had everybody that night. You had Westlife. God, that was chronically bad. We're wearing what can only be described as Shankill chic. Um, Westlife on Simon Cowell's label. Then yes. we had JLS and, and managed by Louis Walsh. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> we had JLS on Simon, Simon Cowell's <laughs> label. And then we had Take That because they'll appear on anything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then poor old Dermot O'Dreary who didn't know it and said and, and the singles released when and they went actually uh, well last week said yeah. Gary the board Barlow. <laughs> and then Dermot says to Aidan who's just been kicked off and looks like because he looks the same in everything mm. you know and Aidan could have won the lottery and he looks the same <laughs> and he goes how how do you feel and i wanted to say are you taking the michael or what pal how do you feel it's like going to a funeral and going how you feeling well we're really glad they're dead we couldn't be happier it was a stu- he comes up with the stupidest questions, Dermot. He and, really is and, dumb. And Katie, uh, I, I loved Katie's Saturday Night Revelation, where where he, uh, Dermot said, "Oh, you know, so so uh, uh, yeah, how has it been being in the bottom two? And she was going on about how she felt inspired at the pride of Britain, and so she realised that being in the bottom two isn't so bad. And you just think, dear God. Although we, we have to ask the question, Aidan said that he'd heard yes. he was in the bottom three. Somebody had tweeted, yeah. and somebody then said, "Well, ha- who? How would they have known?" He was in the bottom ones. Well, it would have been someone... It could have been somebody tweeting there, or he could have just made it up. You, well, you don't really true. know. He wasn't, he wasn't great. Like but then they had to actually take Katie off stage because she was about to have another attack, uh, and, and she was having yeah, one of her... They don't want another Susan Boyle moment. No. Well, Susan Boyle's number one. Yeah. And uh, I'm delighted to tell you, Susan's in the paper today. She's, uh, she's probably worth £20 million by the end of this year, and she's still living in a £330,000 hour. She's 59. It ain't going to live forever, love. If I go, I go and spend the money now. Yeah, she, can you, she, you know, she allows herself £500 a week. Well, she's daft, then, isn't it? Even stupider than I thought. What's the that's point all, of earning all, all that money? Spends. I know. You can go and buy another cat, dear, can't Pebbles you? Pebbles the cat is going to be one to watch. That's going to have a career soon. I'd love to watch it. After it dies, I think we'll definitely have it freeze-dried. But <laughs> 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 well, anyway, we might, oh, like, I'm, I'm done now, so I'm... Oh, OK. I'm, I'm thinking of chasing Sam down the road for that iMac. Because <laughs> now I know he's got it. Just now? for the iMac. Has he gone? Yeah. 
I can run faster. Is he still... Oh, he'll be here for... All right, we'll split the iMac. All right, kiddo, have a nice day. It's everybody's birthday today. Everybody's celebrating birthdays. Nobody I know. But uh, who's who's on the news desk upstairs? Who's on the... Who's who's on the news desk upstairs? Katie. It's Katie's birthday today. Yes, well, it's, it's not Dan's birthday, and it's not Alex's birthday. I think it's Katie's birthday today. I think she said she was 49, I think. I think so. I, I can't remember exactly whether or not she said 49, but uh, it's definitely her birthday today. So she's celebrating her birthday. Uh, 48, I'm told. 48. That's good, isn't it? She's in a marvellous state of preservation, and uh, it's so nice to see the embalming process actually, you know, in front of you. I like that kind of thing. And Dan as well. Dan always cycles in every morning and is the first one to head for the showers, which is always very funny, because I've never found the showers in this building. I don't even know where they are. I knew where they were in the last building. Where are the showers here? Are they, are they up up? They're downstairs in the basement. Oh, right. Interesting. So, anyway, how was your weekend? Mine was fantastic. I did two remembrance services. I did Saturday at the Royal Albert Hall, and then I did yesterday at the Cenotaph, which was rammed. It was absolutely packed. But the sound system, chronically dire. Chronic- In fact, when I got home, I watched it on the television, and we got a much better view, but it was nice to be there. And, um, all in all, I spent most of Saturday evening, I'm afraid, in tears, as per usual, because the uh, remembrance service at the Royal Albert Hall is is such an occasion. You cannot help but be moved by this. It's, it's one of the only times that you feel just fiercely proud to be British and everybody is, is thinking the same things. We all applauded at the same time. We all cried at the same time. We all cheered at the same time. We all loved seeing the royal family. We loved seeing the government, not so much as the royal family. And uh, we loved seeing the uh, serving member of the forces. And so we got them and we loved seeing the war widows and the Chelsea pensioners and all the people who, who, who put so much into it. And the good news is that this year, the Royal British Legion... Uh, have sold 46 million poppies. 46 million poppies, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. I knew they'd do really well this year. I knew that they would do uh, really well. Uh, Carol wrote to me and says, I was listening to your show this morning, this was yesterday, and I'm interested in the name of the gentleman who was looking for a live-in carer. His name's, okay, listen carefully, Norman Tebbit. Okay, Norman Tebbit is looking for a live-in carer for his wife, Margaret. Norman Tebbit. He's a little-known politician. You might not have heard of him. But uh, he, he's, he's willing to pay 350 quid a week. But she needs 24-hour care. And he said he finds it very difficult to find anybody, in inverted commas, English, who will do the job. He said you can find loads of other people who are very well-meaning. Um, and it's not he particularly wants somebody British. But he said, why can you not find people? I thought, because you're paying a miserly rate. 24-hour care for your wife, and you're offering 350 quid a week. This is worth a 1,000 a week at least. At least a 1,000 a week. You know, not like Norman Tebbit is uh, is short of a few bob. I would have thought that at least a 1,000. If you go into a normal care home, the average price is, would be about £600 a week. 600 and he's offering 350 and he's like, he must be a multi-millionaire. And he's looking for somebody to come and care for his wife. You know, I think it's worth a thousand. I think it's worth a thousand. Quarter past five, we've got a lot to get through this morning, including the papers. We take your texts and emails. And, of course, we celebrate the fact that that uh, British couple are waking up for their first day of freedom. 
quarter past five. These are the main stories. Paul and Rachel Chandler, the British couple held captive by Somali pirates, are waking up to their first day of freedom in more than a year. They spent the night at the British High Commission in Kenya. It's not yet known when they'll return to the UK. A murder inquiry is underway in South Africa after a woman on honeymoon with her British husband was killed in a carjacking attack. The couple had been married for just two weeks when their people carrier was targeted on the outskirts of Cape Town on Saturday. And a Qantas Boeing 747 bound for Argentina has returned to Australia after a suspected electrical fault. Nobody was injured in the incident, which occurred an hour after the jet left Sydney. Let's have a check on the uh, road station With me, James O'Brien, and have your say this morning from 10, LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past five. It's Monday morning. In uh, It's been quite a weekend this week. What with the weather? Yesterday, I went down to uh, the Cenotaph. I, I didn't get as near to the Cenotaph as I wanted, but we were with all the right people, so it didn't uh, actually make any difference. Then the rain started coming down. Not heavy, and then it cleared up a bit. But the sound system was bloody atrocious. It was so awful. People standing up by the top of Whitehall by the theatre there. They had two speakers. Not a thing could be heard during the last post. Not a thing. I don't know who was doing the sound, but it should be fired. It was bloody awful. It was, there was just nothing. You heard nothing. You couldn't hear the band half the time. It was really atrocious. You'd think they were doing it for so long now. Whereas, by contrast, the Royal Albert Hall on Saturday was as near to perfection as you could get. You know, everything is done, as of course it would be, with military precision. They know where they're coming in. They've got somebody who times them in. All the different entrances, they've got people who time them in. Everybody from the Chelsea pensioners to the war widows, you go one, two, three, you're in. One. You know, it's, it's just, it works brilliantly. Royal family were all there, the government and, uh, and me. In a box, which was very nice. It was, I mean, it was just, as I say, I, I, th- I thought I'm going to spend most of my time crying during this. So I might as well start early. So I did an hour and a half of it. Every time something happened, I was off again. Because everybody looks so smart. And they really do. And then when they do the, the poppies, I said yesterday, uh, at the end, they do at the going down of the sun. And in the morning, we will remember them. And then it goes absolutely deathly silence. Exactly the same in Whitehall yesterday. You wouldn't have thought it was possible to have an entire street with thousands and thousands of people to be so silent you could hear a pin drop. And that's what we got on both occasions. In Whitehall yesterday, nothing. Nobody said a word. It was at, nobody coughed. Nobody did anything. And the silence seemed to go on for ages. And at Royal Albert Hall, you wait and it's very quiet. And then the poppies start coming down. And so all the people, all the, um, all the armed forces, everybody is standing in the middle of the Royal Albert Hall. And they come down and they end up being covered in the, the poppies. And, yes, and I, I did say yesterday, because it seems to happen every time I go, there's always at the end one poppy that floats down all by itself. It doesn't seem to be with all the other poppies. So you get all the poppies coming down. And then all the eyes are drawn to this one poppy at the end because you're just looking up at the ceiling because each poppy represents a life. And you could, if you stood there till the cows came out, you could never read out every single name. Millions of people who've lost their lives in conflict. And that's what we were there for, together with the Royal British Legion. I mean, it was just... It's the best thing ever. If, you, if you've never been, I'd, I'd write to the Royal Albert Hall today and ask them how you get tickets for next year. Or failing that, join the British Legion and see if you can get tickets for it. Because it's, it, it just makes you proud to be British. Anyway, my friend Eddie says, catching up with the podcasts. I'm getting more and more excited about your Boxing Day interview with Dame Julie. Dame Julie Andrews. I wonder if I could share my own experience of meeting the great woman in less glamorous circumstances than Santa Monica. It was a morning in rainy London. 
years ago, and I used to work in a building near Great Portland Street. I was in one of the many cafes that do takeaways and have a few tables for eating in. Whilst I queued for something to take away from my lunch later in the day, I noticed at one of the tables... Julie Andrews. She must have been in town for interviews or something, but she was sitting there on her own, quietly eating something, I think scrambled eggs and cauliflower cheese or something. I don't really remember. I don't know what to do, go over, say something, or leave the woman alone. In the end, I couldn't resist. And when I collected my lunch, I went over to the table. She was engrossed in her breakfast when I said hello, and I thought, oh my goodness me, I've opened a conversation with Mary Poppins. What do I do now? So she looked up and said, hello. Quite brightly. At this point, I couldn't think of a single thing to say, and so I blurted out, How's your breakfast? She looked down at it, looked back up and said, Super cauliflower cheese, scrambled eggs atrocious. I think you've actually screwed that one up, Eddie. I think there's another line that goes with that thing. It's supposed to be. Yeah. It's, somebody else will send me in the right thing about that one. You know where Mary Poppins does the super cauliflower cheese, eggs are quite atrocious. It was... There's, it's supposed to be based on that, but it's based around the food that she's eating. So I'm sure somebody else will send that in to me. I think you've, you've, you've missed a bit out. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. 84850. Uh, poor old Al says, the more you all moan and keep on watching Simon wins due to the fact you give him free advertisement, people like me who didn't even care have no idea who she is. Well, you're still writing about it, aren't you? So you're writing about it, Al. How funny is that? <laughs> How lovely. I love the idea that you... I've got nothing to do with it, but you're writing about it. So it's brilliant, isn't it? Sucker. 84850, steve at I love Monday morning. I love it. There was a woman on earlier on. And she was talking about how awful it was that the hedgerows were being cut down because the birds have got nowhere. I thought, listen, birds haven't nested in hedgerows since, you know, since... Hagar the Horrible was sort of rampaging through the countryside. And they were saying, I like it dark at night. And lives on an estate. I thought, yeah, the muggers like it dark too. And the rapists and all the people who go around breaking into cars. Dreadful. Uh, they're saying, first person to walk out of I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here, is uh, Gillian McKeith. Apparently she's never seen the programme before. She hasn't walked yet, but they're, they're trying to persuade her to stay. No, they're not. What they're doing, they're trying to drum up interest in what is one of the most boring lineups of non-entities you've ever seen in your entire life. Oh, dear, dull people. Nigel the Boar Havers, I'm afraid. Um, um, Cheryl Gascoigne. Uh, ironically, you've got Cheryl Gascoigne in that because she, she's doing that for battered women. Yeah, right. So it'll be nice to how much money out of your fee you're giving to the battered women. Yeah, you need to change your name, darling. As opposed to clinging on to the name. A bit a bit like your dreary stepdaughter. Well, it's his stepdaughter, isn't it, Bianca? Uh, who hangs on to the Gascoigne name and is currently parading her uh, undeniably naff talents on the coach trip. I've never met such a thicko in my entire life. She can't string two words together. She knows bugger all. But the funny thing is, and you mark my words, you know Amy who's in the Essex programme, you know, all oh, well, like, a bit ditzy and all the rest of it. She has an agent. And the agents obviously play, listen, she's obviously said to her, listen, Jade Goody's dead and she was known for being stupid. Can you be even more stupid? So yesterday she started doing it. And she started doing the, uh, where's, where's North London? She goes, because I don't, because I, I like, no, no good at geography. And I'm thinking, this is your agent. And who's her agent? It's Peter Andre's agent. It's Claire. Claire assigned her. And, of course, who did Claire used to have? The other thicko, Jordan. But now she's got rid of Jordan, so she's found Amy. So, of course, Jordan will be spitting blood, which is quite good. But they did show a bit of the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here when Jordan was on it. And, you know, it's amazing how she's aged over a couple of years. 
Peter on, she was saying to Peter on, because he, he was saying, you know I love you. You know, I was, I was nearly sick over the television. You, you know I really love you. He's saying to Jordan, she's going, yeah, yeah, right. She said, but you've only got a little acorn. And I thought, well, they're in the jungle. They're not growing trees, are they, out there? Or something like that. But uh, Jan in South Norwood says, last night's television was just too much. One of the funniest moments was when Gillian McKeith hyperventilated over creepy crawlies in the jungle. <laughs> Gillian McKeith, who's never seen the programme, I think they have to try and get some publicity. And they can't think of anything apart from, let, let's tr- can, can you try and pretend that you've, you've sort of... Ups- I mean, because you're going into the jungle, and so you're going to meet creepy crawlies. I mean, unless Gillian McKeith is as daft as we think uh, she is. Uh, Neil Maidstone says, was good to see Take That, but who was the fat bloke on the stage? Uh, was that Robbie? Robbie, do you know, the one thing out of Take That, and you watch it back, I'm never wrong, Robbie looks as old as the hills... On the thing, they all look young and a bit feisty. Robbie, who hasn't done anything for ages, has obviously tried to lose the weight and it's not worked. And he kept... He, he was nothing to do with Take That. He was at the end. If they'd wanted to be part of it, stick him in the middle. And he kept nodding his head like he's doing... And, he's, and I thought, God, you're not with it at all, are you, really? Ah, oh, dear. Uh, Steve, he has a carer already and needs another. Plus you get a free apartment. Who's this? Oh, Norman Tebbit. I'd do it if I could. Say hello to my nan, Sheila, says Sally. There'll be two carers, so the duties are split, and it's living in with all expenses included. Yeah, but even so, 350 quid living in costs nothing. Not like, you know, I mean, excuse me, I want to stay in a five-star hotel. Uh, another one here, Sammy, I'm sure you'll agree with me, Miss Eklund will do well in the jungle. You must have fond memories of her and her little dog as studio guests. I remember she completely screwed up my last day on LBC completely screwed up. So, I'm afraid fond memories of Brit Eklund? I don't think so. What they'd done is, when, when LBC changed hands many, many years ago, many, many, one, one of the companies decided to get rid of all the presenters. A rather stupid company, if you ask me. But anyway, so what they did, they actually got rid of everybody. And so, all my production team said, right, I'll tell you what we'll do on the last one. We'll have all, all your favourites in. So, we literally had a studio of about I don't know, 10, 15 people, and they said uh, we had messages from Scylla Black and everything else, which is all very nice. And then they said, and we've got uh, Brit-, Brit Eklund coming in. We go, oh, great. She came in and completely ruined the... Pro- we couldn't get rid of her fast enough. All she wanted to talk about was herself and uh, the fact she was in pantomime at Wimbledon. It was an absolute blooming nightmare. It was dreadful. So every time I hear the name Brit Eklund, I always go... That keeps us moving. Drink some today. Morning, everybody. It's Monday morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is LBC 97.3. Time. Actually, looking at the amount of stuff that poor Sam, Christo's producer, is carrying around upstairs, he was described quite accurately by the producer of my programme as it looking like Buckaroo. <laughs> you know, that's where... Have you ever seen Buckaroo? That's where you've got this sort of... This sort of donkey on a spring, and then you hang things. It's the stupidest game ever. It's a bit like Kaplunk, you know. But people will be buying it this year because it's M and B games, and they're dirt cheap now. I mean, the, the copyright must have run out thirty-five years ago. So you've got Buckaroo, and you put things there. Buckaroo, and then it's just. And he looks a bit like that, you know. If we actually got Sam down on the floor on all fours, and uh, you know, careful, and uh, and you started sort of hanging stuff off him, you know, then all of a sudden you go Buckaroo. And all this stuff would uh, would go up. It'd be very funny, actually. I love Bucker. That's what they did. Do you remember? Because the bloke who was doing the voice, though, he did Buckaroo. I used to like Mousetrap, but my brother hated it. It takes for ages to set up, and it's such a rubbish game. You know, in the end, the marble goes down, then they think of a little cage game. It was rubbish. You can't beat a good game of Monopoly. Monopoly is one of my favourite games at Christmas. Or I, I quite like Strip Twister, 
That was good with my Aunt Enid. She used to love Strip Twister. It didn't start off as Strip Twister. It kind of just ended up that way, really. But and only her stripping, I know. It was a little bit embarrassing. But anyway, you know, always entertaining for the neighbours. We used to have to draw the curtains. They, the neighbours would go, they're doing Strip Twister again, aren't they? So we'd know, but buckaroo! One of my favourite games. Uh, I see we're still going on about... Do you remember that fool in prison called Charles Bronson? He's a bit of a crackpot. His name's not really Charles Bronson. It's not, he's, he's been in prison for years now, and he's supposed to be Britain's hardest prisoner. Hmm. So hard, girly boy, you're stuck in prison, aren't you, for the rest of your life? Anyway, he's, uh, he, he, he now has taken all his clothes off, covered himself in butter to take on 12 prison warders. They made a film about him. It was a rather dreary film, I'm afraid. But uh, it, it took six members... Uh, of the control and restraint team to get him. I don't know why it would take so long. I've re- I've, I don't know, what, you know, we've got these things now. Well, he's slippery, well, then you just get one of those little things that sends out the wires and puts an electric shock through him. He's a, he's, a, he's a Category A prisoner. You bring him down, you don't waste time prison officers getting their uniforms dirty. Apparently, they say, he knows this is it for the rest of his days and he's desperate. Well, you're going to be staying there, girly boy, aren't you, for a long time? You know? Girly boy. Ooh, girly boy, girly boy. That's what everybody calls you in prison, matey. He was jailed for armed robbery in 1969, and he's going to be in solitary indefinitely. He spent the vast majority of his 36 years behind bars. He's attacked 20 officers, caused half a million pounds worth of damages. Why are you wasting time with him? Thank you. (laughs) End of case. End of case. Um... I can't remember what his real name is. Somebody will tell me, no doubt, a little bit later on. There's also a new poll. I do want you to vote for this. I want you to vote for this. Because Adrian Childs and Dreary Christine, otherwise known as the most boring couple on the television, and the audience have voted, I'm afraid, with their little remote controllers, uh, are going to be uh, decided... Well, the future of them is going to be decided by bosses asking viewers to rank them. So in a a poll, you know, a scale of one to ten... um, which ones, you know, will, will you keep? So you better vote for everybody. So somebody said, oh, you know, that they seem to have lost their sparkle since the one show. I'm here to tell you they never had any sparkle on the one show either. It was just, it was that time of night and it was a double-headed presentation. There was no spark. There was absolutely nothing. And I'm afraid first thing in the morning he's as boring as catnip and she's just as dull as ditch water, I'm afraid. You know, her and her dreary little Lampard boyfriend. I mean, frankly, Christine, you know, it's very nice to be a wag, but you're a bit ancient, I'm afraid, for that. And the, and the programme in the morning, I don't know... I don't know if it's right. Fiona Phillips has waded into the row saying she thinks that they haven't backed them up on the programme. The programme's wrong. It's lost contact with its audience. And the one thing you cannot do on television or radio is lose contact with the audience. The moment you start doing stuff that the audience don't understand... It's the moment they just go click and they switch off. And unfortunately, that's what's happening on Daybreak. It's no good her and, uh, and poor old Charles sitting there saying, oh, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's early days yet. No, it's not early days. The whole idea was they axed GMTV to try and get an audience and you've taken it even lower. You're not going to get the audience back. Once you've lost them, you know, the only way you're going to get them back is by almost reinstating the old GMTV people. Jim Shelley has decided to review Coach Trip. Oh, he hates it. Oh, he hates it. He hates everything about it, from Barry, Ingrid and Brendan, all in the same bath, with their clothes on. There was none of this. They had towels on. They bloody well did have clothes on. You watch it back. Listen, um, the, 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 the chuckle brother got in with a towel round his waist, and when you see her in the water, she's got the towel just underneath her boobs. And Brendan's got his pants on. Ugh. They're all massaging each other. It was so awful. But uh, we, 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 we did get rid of, I'm afraid... Uh, the oldest sausage in the world. No, sorry, Rafe from uh, from The Apprentice, and uh, and Ben. His well, because they they did actually go 
to the oldest sausage kitchen in the world in Linz, and they made sausages. Because it's, it's, it is a bit, a bit odd at the moment. It's interesting. You've got the Chuckle Brothers. As I say, you do have uh, Bianca Gascoigne. I hate my stepfather so much I'm hanging on to the name to try and uh, coin it. Uh, but we have got rid of Rafe and his little chum Ben from Big Brother, two of the most boring idiots under the sun. I'll tell you, television is full of idiots. My friend Helena, famous like that they b- voted off first. They were the first ones out. And, and strangely enough, <laughs> um, um, Rafe and, and Ben went, you know, I'd like to thank you all uh, very much indeed. It's been an honour and a privilege, said Rafe. Stupid man, honestly. We never discovered yesterday, because Rafe tells us that he has businesses. We don't quite know what businesses Rafe is capable of running. And Ben, I don't, I don't know what Ben does at all. I think he's just a, a sort of a ninny who prances up and down, looking a little bit silly with, uh, with silly hair and wears silly clothes. And at one time, Rafe had pink shoes on. Now, that doesn't mean anything in this day and age. And I want you to read into the fact that Rafe, who has a girlfriend, he told us, although we've never seen any pictures of them together, uh, wears pink shoes and turned up with a clutch bag every day with his facial stuff in it. I mean, really... Two ninnies together, I'm afraid. He just likes looking after himself, but just... And then he was wearing his little cravat every day on a coach. <laughs> and his jeans had a crease in. And you know what they say about men wearing jeans with a crease in, ladies and gentlemen? <coughs> no, I don't either. If you can tell me, do let me know. Uh, any one word for, for darts? Yes. Tragic. Generally big fat blokes who stay... Oh, yeah. Double tops on that one, mate. Uh, you know, you sort of watch it. Uh, there's a programme on the television called White Van Man. Oh, my God. There's a bloke who does marquees. I don't know where they got him from. But, he, I mean, he isn't even clever. He, he's speaking another language. I haven't, haven't quite fathomed out what the language is. But, uh, but he, I think he is a professional cockney. And, uh, and he does put tents up. You know, bush bash, bish bash bosh over here and bish bash bosh over there. And they sort of speak as if they've sort of learnt it off The Apprentice or, or, or any of the Big Brother or something like that. I'm sure these people come with caricatures. Because on The Apprentice, uh, all, all the people get there and they're always numpties. 99% of people on The Apprentice are generally life's little sort of failures at home. And mummy and daddy go, listen, go out there. Show them that you're a really, really good boy. And so they go out there and they, they attempt to do something. They're all failures. And so they then go, and then, then they don't know what to do after that, because nobody's ever told them they're not very good. And they're rubbish, most of them, which is a great shame. But I do feel, this morning, for Paul and Rachel Chandler, they must have fought on numerous occasions, well, today's it. Today is it. Today is the time that they're just not going to waste it. I always knew that they would be released. And I'll tell you how I knew they were going to be released. And you may call this foresight, you may call this intuition, you may call this journalistic experience being a fully paid-up member uh, of the Tufty Club and an Ovaltini since the early days and the Green Cross Code Club as well. I'm a member of all of these. And I wanted to join the Pony Club, but unfortunately I wasn't old enough. And I did enter the Sugar Puffs competition some years ago to win a pony at home, but we lived in a flat. And, and I wasn't quite sure if the pony turned up on the doorstep where we were going to keep it. You know, I wasn't sure how to break this to my mother, that one of us, or possibly all of us, would have to move out of the flat to accommodate the pony. Because I had a lovely picture of lots of children wearing hard hats and a pony, and I was thinking, that'd go really well, not necessarily in the flat, and how we get it up and down the stairs, but I thought they'd manage it in the circus. So, uh, when I, I saw them here, normally, in cases like this, the Somali pirates tend not to kill people. What they want is the ransom, and they will wait. The excuse that they gave in the first month was the fact that it was costing them money to keep them alive, which, of course, was a load of old cobblers, as these Somali pirates will tell you, because they've got millions. They get millions. On this one, 
they made 625,000. Quite rightly, whether you believe it or not, the government have said, and it was reiterated again yesterday, they will never, ever, ever pay a ransom for somebody being held captive. And the reason is quite simple, and everybody can understand it, unless you're sort of not in the real world, that if you pay it once... They'll have to pay it again and again and again and again. And so they said, no, we're not going to pay it. So somebody privately paid this 625000 They spent 388 days in the hands of Somali pirates. In the end, I don't think the Somali pirates could be even bothered with them. They were just grateful to get something. So they got the money, and presumably they will now sell their story and write a book of their experiences, and they will recoup some of the £625,000, and they can give it back to their benefactor. So that's good news. So good news all round there. Uh, pictures in the paper of uh, poor old Cheryl, who's about as big as a, a dormouse, wearing Minnie Mouse's hairstyle. Really is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And uh, you might or might not approve of the idea that Madeleine McCann's parents have signed a multi-million pound book deal to tell their story, like we haven't heard it three million times before. So now they're going to do a book, and uh, they reckon that the money will then go back into the Madeleine Fund to, uh, to help them recoup the money that uh, that they don't have anymore. So far, they've got £300,000 less. £300,000 left out of £2 million. I t- to be honest with you, I don't know who's going to buy a book on Madeleine McCann. I've seen every interview. I've read every newspaper interview. Is there something different that we're not being told? Because if there isn't, I know the story. The story is fairly simple. They go on holiday. They're a very much middle-class family. They go with some friends. They go to uh, Praia de Luche. They go over there, they go off for dinner one evening, they leave the children alone, they come back, Madeline gone. I don't really know what the end of the story... There is no end of the story. There is no, no good bit coming out of that at all, I'm afraid. So, whether or not you'd want to buy a book, how that's worth multi-million pounds, I've got no idea. But they say it, uh, it is. Uh, more on um, Felicity facing her last dance. Miss Kendall has slipped up, but Widdy ploughs on. We seem to like uh, failures in this country. If you remember, we, uh, we applauded Eddie the Eagle Edwards. A failure. A failure. We stick people on coach trip and call them celebrities, where, in fact, they are failures. It's just that nobody's ever honest enough with people nowadays. And uh, here, Claudia Connell is talking about Michelle Williams, who departed last night. A more boring person. You'd be hard pushed to find. Apparently, she was in a group called Destiny's Child. What year was that, darling? With, with, with Beyonce. Well, I've, I've got no idea who she is. I mean, she could walk in this room now and I wouldn't have any idea at all. But anyway, um, we, we do have a little bit of a worry with poor Toss Daly. Uh, poor, poor Toss, who was in the papers yesterday, saying that she wants to go to America with Vernon. Well, you can probably go texting over there, Vernon. I'm sure it'll go very well for you. Because she's decided she's gone as far as she can with her career in this country and they're going to make it in America. No, you're not, darling. They have millions of people better looking than you and more talented than you. Your claim to fame is you stand there with Bruce Forsyth, who makes you look good. You are the bookend to Bruce, who is the presenter. You're the appendage, I'm afraid. There's no chance of either of you making it in America at all. In fact, I wouldn't even waste time. There's no point in going, unless you have a job to go to, and I've seen better people than you fail. You're not going to do it, although what on earth was going on with your hair last night? We know that, you know, if you over-bleach, and I don't want to, you know, tell you something that your hairdresser should have told you ages ago, if you keep bleaching something, eventually it starts breaking off, and it starts looking particularly bad. Unfortunately, as Claudia Connell pointed out, short at the back with two long straggly bits hanging down at the front. 
She says it looks as though she'd run out of money halfway through the haircut and the stylist had downed scissors. And I have to be honest, every time you look at poor old Toss Daly, you know, it's that she's really in makeup longer than you and I have had careers. And it's still not working. It's not working. And I mean that, you know, in a caring way. I don't want you to think in any way, shape or form that if you've just woken up and turned on the radio that I'm bitter or anything. I'm certainly not bitter. I just like decent presentation on the television. If these people are earning good money, and I'm assuming she's got to be on about ten grand a programme. So more money than many of you will, will see in a year. And she ends up looking like that with that lame presentation. You can only assume that there's hope for just about all of you out there. Which, if you'll play your cards right, it'll be sooner than you think. These are the headlines. At 14 minutes to six, a British couple held captive by Somali pirates are waking up to their first day of freedom in more than a year. Paul and Rachel Chandler spent the night at the British High Commission in Kenya. It's not yet known when they'll return to the UK. A British soldier was killed in Afghanistan on Remembrance Sunday as Prince William joined troops there to pay tribute to the fallen. The serviceman from 1st Battalion, the Royal Irish Regiment, died in an explosion in Helmand Province. And a murder inquiry is underway in South Africa after a man, uh, sorry, after a woman on honeymoon with her British husband was killed in a carjacking attack. The couple had been married for just two weeks when their people carrier was targeted just outside Cape Town on Saturday. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Nick Ferrari and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. They think that story in South Africa is very peculiar. They get married, they're over there, they're in a, a people carrier... And they get hijacked. Him they throw out and they take her away and kill her. I mean, normally, if, if there is such a thing as, as normal, it would be him who would be killed. Apparently, uh, she was two nights into the holiday with millionaire businessman Shruin Devani, aged 30. She was 28. They were driving to their hotel at 11pm when their taxi was stopped by two men. After forcing the driver out, the robbers sped off with the terrified couple who were married only two weeks ago. An hour later, they released him and took her away and then her body's found in the car with, they say, unconfirmed reports of the moment, gunshot wounds to the head. And you think, uh, you know, surely, you know, having a bit of intelligence... If you kidnap a couple and you discover that one of them is a millionaire, are you not going to hold the millionaire for ransom or something? Are you, would that not be more intelligent as opposed to kill... What sort of people kill a woman? I don't, you know, I don't quite get that. doesn't really help, does it, with, with South Africa? You'd be thinking, where should we go this year on holiday? Well, we're not going to South Africa, that's a fact. And yet we've got them all over here in two weeks' time for the rugby. So everybody will be over here, not this week at uh, Twickenham coming up. I think we've got uh, Somalians. And then the week after that, I think it's South Africa. But what sort of people in their right mind kill a woman who they don't know and yet they've got a millionaire in the car? I don't quite understand that at all. And we did say the other day that uh, Lidl are selling reindeer steaks. Whoopee! We've eaten it. Re- I haven't eaten reindeer. I couldn't eat reindeer. We did have it on offer before. Uh, apparently, animal rights campaigners were outraged... They said the discount supermarket sales promotion was destroying the magic of Christmas. Don't be so stupid. The magic of Christmas is, is made up. It's made up. It's nothing to do... Christmas is nothing to do with 
reindeer or Father Christmas or trees or anything like that. It's supposed to be a Christian festival. Well, actually, it was a pagan festival, but it's now been hijacked by, by the Christians. So it's got nothing to do... You know, it's, it's not the birth of baby Jesus. We think it is because we, we don't know when he was born. They think it was July, but they've made it Christmas. And so now people... You ask children, what do you think about Christmas? And they go, it's presents and tree and Father Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But it's not. So now the animal rights campaigners have jumped on the same silly bandwagon and go, well, this is outrageous reindeer steaks. Equally bad, not that, I mean, why have they jumped on the bandwagon about turkeys? You know, we don't have turkeys. They say here, reindeer live in their natural habitat and have plenty of space to move around. A bit like cows and sheep then and everything. They do, they're so stupid, some of these groups. For goodness sake, I, j- I tell you what, you don't want to go to Lapland or Norway or anything like that. They eat reindeer all year round. They eat reindeer all year round, and they don't think anything about it because it's meat. And uh, they do own the herds. The Lapish uh, people own all the herds up there. Steve, £350 a week is less than £3 an hour over seven days. Over five days, it's still less. And uh, people work for low wages, says Alec. But, you know, I think Norman Tebbit's pushing it a little bit on this one. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Colin says, with regards to the prisoner who's uh, fight manager from one of his brief cells, his real name is Michael Peterson. This is Charles Bronson. He's just sort of made it up. His name's not Charles Bronson at all. It's Michael Peterson. But as I say, big girl's blouse in prison for a long time, so that's good. Buckaroo is made by Hasbro. Lovely. We didn't say it wasn't made by Hasbro. Uh, Martha. I think your name's Martha. Uh, we said, uh, unfortunately, the other games are made by M&B. And, uh, as I say, the licences ran out ages and ages ago. 84850, steve at And hands up, come on. Who went to Pontins? Who went to Pontins? Do people still go to holiday camps now? The reason we went to holiday camps is because a long time ago, and it's highlighted by Heidi High, which is a proper camp. It is actually a real place, Heidi High. They just used it for the filming of the series. People went there because it was a cheap holiday. Well, now you can actually go abroad to get some sunshine cheaper then you can stay at Pontins. And also, the idea of staying in chalets, it's a bit naff, isn't it, really? It's only good for, you know, I'm not being snobbish in any way, shape or form, but it's, it's just a bit dated. So now Pontins has hit the rock, so it's by de by I suppose, to, well, it doesn't matter, work it out for yourself. But did you ever go? I'd love to hear from you if, if you actually went to a holiday camp. People went, went to Butlins, and then Butlins had to spend a lot of money upgrading... And I did watch a programme. It was was it on Haven Holidays? Equally scary. And they had and these these are the Haven Holiday Playmates or something. Where you had a lot of spotty adolescents, adolescents, and a lot of people who turned up year in year out, dragging their uh, their daughters with them, who were just discovering boys. And they'd get there, and you you could see the the Haven kids who were all dressed up in their blazers, you know, having to blow up balloons and having to be cheerful 24 hours a day, which must drive them mad, considering the standard of people they're having to deal with. And then you've got all the, all the women there, and they've got all their daughters. They go, yeah, she likes you, she really likes you, you want to go out with her, she really likes you, and you're thinking, you're scary, I'm going to call the police. The other day I was talking to the police, I was watching a great programme on the telly, and it was the police in Hampshire who have now got the power... And they, 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 they've given them new, new cars. And I forget which... They, they've got... What cars have they got? Uh, Skodas. But they're Skodas equipped with this computer. A car goes past and they can scan the number plate. You'd never know looking at this car. And it goes beep, 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 beep. And it will tell them if this car has either got no insurance, no tax, no MOT, or the driver is disqualified. And so they had two people yesterday and they've got new powers in Hampshire that if they seize a car, they can take it away and have it destroyed. 
So they get this, uh, this, uh, this woman, she's driving a little red car, and they pull in, they go, um, this, uh, this, this car's off the road. What, what they'd done is they'd filled in the form saying the car's kept off road so they didn't have to put tax on it. Anyway, she was still driving it. You could tell she was bent the moment she got out of the car. So she gets out of the car, she goes, yeah? She's got, like, attitude. She's got real attitude. And the daughter gets out the other side, and the daughter's got a face like a squashed cauliflower. Yeah? And so the daughter's clutching a big McDonald's bag. So, the, so, they, go, so they go to the mum. Um, the, 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 this car's supposed to be off the road. So she goes, I have to go get my daughter from hospital. Because she spoke a bit like that. And so, what, what via McDonald's? Yeah? Because she, like, needed food. And so the daughter's standing looking as healthy as you and I. So anyway, so then they said to the mum, they said, you know, th- this, this car's off the road. You're about to go and get her. So you've been driving it. Yeah, I just had to go get her now. Right. Uh, he said, you've got a licence? Yeah. He said, I'm just about to check on the computer. I'm asking you again, do you have a licence? No. Turns out she had a provisional licence, but she's still driving. One of a number of people who are out there at the moment driving cars with no insurance. If they have an accident with you, you'll get nothing. So in Hampshire, they've got the right idea. So he then goes, right, he said, uh, well, under the new powers, uh, we're going to take your car away and crush it. So she goes, what? She then starts doing the, the whole big mouthy bit. And, um, and in the end, he said, well, it's a £105 fine because you've been driving this car. You shouldn't be driving. You've got no insurance. The car shouldn't be driven anyway. And we're going to take away and crush it. And you've got eight points on your licence. Well, I laughed. I laughed so much. A bit like being Mark the bailiff, going out and getting the cars, keeping these people off the road. The better one, though, was some bloke who they caught outside his house. Again, been driving. Shouldn't have been driving. The car had no insurance, no MOT. And so they go, no, I'm sorry, we're taking it off the road and you're actually disqualified. And so what does he do? He goes back indoors, he gets a knife and he comes out. He says, if you're taking the car, I'm gonna... and he starts slashing his own tyres. So the police wrestle him to the ground because he's now got an offensive weapon and he's charged with having an offensive weapon. What was even funnier, though, his uh, neighbour, obviously one of his bikey friends, comes over and goes, oh, he, thinking quickly, but not intelligently enough, he said, oh, he said, you, you, you can't take that car. He said, he sold it to me. So the police go, when, when did he sell it to you? He said, he sold it to me yesterday. So he said, do you have a, a document? No. Have you got a receipt? No. He said, so he sold you the car yesterday. So he goes, yeah. He said, so... You let him drive it knowing he had no insurance or even a driving licence? No. So the police then go, ah, right, so you're reporting the car stolen, are you? Of course he had no answer for any of these things because he was a compulsive liar. So anyway, they took the car away and crushed it. I'm hoping the scheme moves into London and then we can get all these minicab drivers off the street who tout by the side of the streets, and especially during rugby times, I wish they'd come and do it round Twickenham, he'd have a field day. Uh, People out there, drug dealers, uh, people who don't pay any tax... Most of them don't have any insurance, and they're also driving around with, uh, with fake stickers on the car. You can get fake stickers now, which go on there, which make you look as though you're an approved minicab, which, of course, they are not. And again the other day, oh, I don't, I'm so angry. I'm in, I, I rush into Kingston on, on Saturday morning because we had big rugby, and I'm been to get my hair cut, rush in to go and buy something, can't remember what, scarf, socks, I don't know. And there's a couple there, and they park the car in the disabled bay, and I thought... Now, you know me and disabled people, you know, using the fake stickers. And so they didn't have the whole of the disabled sticker. Anyway, they get out the car. She goes round to the... I don't know what... I've, I've checked the disability rules. You're supposed to not be able to walk that far if you're disabled. If you get a sticker, it means you can't walk that far. They get two kids out the back of the car. The father's throwing them up in the air and doing this bit and running around the car. They put them in pushchairs. 
She's perfect. She can take the push chairs out, reassemble. It's like doing the Krypton Factor. He's throwing the kids up and all this kind of thing. They come from Hounslow, incidentally, where more bent people are with disabled stickers. And they happily toddle off. And I'm thinking, if I was a copper, I'd have gone, excuse me, which one of you has this disabled sticker? And what, what level of disability do you have? Because I'll tell you what the answer is. It'll be either their mother or father that they're using the sticker. And they'll be, they'll be bent. Because if you can get pushchairs out and you can get kids out and run around a car with them and put them in a pushchair, you're not disabled. It's as simple as that. But uh, the sooner that that is sorted out, the better. Gillian McKeith, Steve, was absolutely hilarious. Yes. I didn't see it. I'm not a fan of Gillian McKeith. You remember she used to be Dr Gillian and it turned out she's not a doctor at all. It was just, she had to drop it very quickly because it turned out that it was made up. She wasn't a doctor at all. It was one of these sort of, you know, let's sort of send off £20 and back up. Because if you remember, uh, I am an ordained minister. And uh, I, I did it on the internet. I didn't have to pay any money. I've done it in an American church. And I am ordained. I can actually do weddings. So that's nice, isn't it? So the Reverend Alan with you after the... Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC night. Oh, it's gone all quiet in my headphones. Gone completely quiet. Oh, no. Is it there? Is it not there? No, it's not there, strangely enough. No. That's very bizarre, isn't it? Well, anyway, the Heidi High holiday camp was actually a Warner's camp, Steve, says uh, Martin. Uh, situated in Dovercourt near Harwich in Essex. Unfortunately, not too long after the show was finished, it was pulled down and a small housing estate was built in its place. So uh, now you know about that one. 84850 steve at uk. Uh, I'd love to know uh, whether or not you actually went to a Pontins or you went to a Warner... I've forgotten about the Warner's camps. Or whether or not you went to Bucklands or any of these. And would you go now, in light of Pontins closing and the fact that nobody's going to, uh, to go there anymore? D- why did we go to these holiday camps... I can't hear anything. It's all gone very quiet, actually. Mm. And I'm hearing feedback, I'm afraid, coming back from, from you on the headphones. Oh, really? So, yes, I'm hearing myself back from the other no, side. It is horrid, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'd love to hear from you. 84850 uh Incidentally, last week, you will have heard LBC's appeal for Help a London Child. And thanks to you, we raised a huge amount of money. I mean, it was... It, it exceeded even our wildest expectations. So thank you very much indeed. But there are still ways to get involved with the charity, including, wait for this one, having the experience of a lifetime by taking part in Trek Nepal. It's an awe-inspiring hike through the Himalayas, highest peaks in the world, the stunning scenery in the shadows of snow-capped mountains. Now, this one will take place next year, the 12th to the 22nd of October. It's the second date, because the first trip was so popular, it's full up. Now, you can register for this on lbc.co.uk forward slash help a London child. Trek Nepal, you can help raise money for disadvantaged children across London with LBC 97.3. Now, that'd be something to tell people about. Wouldn't that be something to tell people about? We went, we went and trekked through, uh, through the Himalayas. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I could quite manage it. I've said, it looks quite exhausting, but I think if you're a younger, fitter person, you can probably do it. I should imagine Sam Buckaroo would probably manage some of it, because he could actually be a Sherpa helper, couldn't he? He could just sort of, just sort of load him up with all the cases and everything else, bless his heart. Uh, there's a couple in the paper today. 
It's a Nigerian groom and his rent-a-bride. It's another sham marriage. Uh, it turns out she doesn't speak English. Uh, he didn't do very well either. Police and the border agency swooped on Abraham Akinola and, uh, and his plans for a sham marriage. Uh, the woman he married was a lesbian. Well, the woman he was going to marry. They didn't know each other. They had no conversation whatsoever. And they suddenly realised, the vicar did, when they both gave separate addresses, that uh, the whole thing was just a sham from start to finish. So they're now in custody and they'll probably end up going to prison. I mean, there are loads of these sham marriages all the, uh, the time in this country. And it just takes observant vicars. Sometimes you get corrupt vicars and they go along with it because they're on backhanders. We had the one a short while ago. He'd married something like 150 people and he knew they were all bogus. And all these people are robbing you of your benefits. All these sham marriages. This uh, woman, Marty, had been involved in a lesbian relationship for eight years and her worried partner flew to Britain and reported her missing on the day of the, uh, the wedding. She doesn't even speak enough English. Let's put a translator in, in court for her. And that was the, uh, that, that was the big problem there. Uh, but luckily, it was exposed. And uh, the good news was that we've stopped two more people thieving off benefits for a long, long time. So, everybody happy, everybody very happy. Probably not happy with the fact that Downton Abbey is finished. Back for a new series next year. Box set out now. And I think they're doing the whole lot. So far, I think, for about £16. 16 pounds. I think it was something like that. So, uh, good news for all fans, thank you, of Downton Abbey. So, everybody very happy. What did you push? You made it work. He's pushed something next door that's that sort of made it all of a sudden... Come back into my... It's amazing. Get the gift of engineering in one of his fingers. It's marvellous, isn't it? God knows what talents that boy could have if he left this business. I mean, really, the whole world is his, is his oyster. Uh, sometimes he doesn't have to do anything. He just, he, just, he just looks at it and it just fixes itself. Probably terrified, I should imagine. Uh, Kelly Brook has been to see a hypnotist. Why has she been to see a hypnotist? The attention-seeking Kelly Brook, who sort of just spends her whole time just posing and preening and doing it. Well, anyway, she's seeing a hypnotist to help her stop taking so long to get ready. I know. If only her, her presentational skills were a little bit better. But poor old Kelly Brook is just that. She's just, look, lovely, don't, don't bother saying anything at all. Piers Morgan has lashed out at Michael Parkinson. Michael Parkinson uh, said of Piers Morgan, uh, he didn't watch it because all of Piers' guests were tabloid X-Factor people. Which, of course, is absolutely right. That's all they are. I mean, the only people that Piers will put on there are people... I mean, I think the only one he actually put on there who sort of was anything decent, was Barbara Windsor, who incidentally got awarded uh, Lifetime... Was it Lifetime Achievement by the Variety Club the other night? Only marred by the fact that Katie Price turned up. I'm sorry, dear, you're not in show business. Don't go anywhere near Variety. And uh, so, uh, so well done. Well done to uh, her. Another nice night out and another outfit... Another outfit. Another award to put on a show. They'll have to, they'll have to sort of start building more shelves in Bar's Place at the moment, start putting all the awards on. But So she had that uh, the other night, so well done. I think at the Grosvenor House, which I've lost track of the meals I've had at Grosvenor House. Loads and loads of good meals there. But Piers has hit back at Parky, saying Parky's biggest claim to fame was being attacked by Rod Hull's emu. Which is absolutely right, and Parky himself, in his after-dinner speech, says exactly the same. When he was on LBC years ago, he said, you know, I've interviewed everybody, you know, so-and-so, and what am I famous for? That bloody emu. And he was, and he hated it. He absolutely hated it, because it made him look silly. It's a kind of thing. I remember once I was doing a programme on LBC, some years ago, and they thought as a treat for me, they'd bring in a stripogram. So, I know, I know. Don't ask. Coffee? And, um, 
Of course you can go now. Of course you can go now. You can run as fast as your little legs are carry. You put your rollerblades on. Whoosh, down that corridor. Go on. And, um, and so I'm sitting there and they go, Steve, we've got a surprise for you. They go, oh, good, what is it? And they go, and the door opens. And there's a woman standing there in bask and stockings and suspended. And, and so I sort of look at her thinking, <laughs> she's wandered into the wrong studio. It's quite clearly not for me. It must be for somebody else. I'm sitting there looking at her. And then she sort of comes over and, st- and drapes a feather boa around my neck. Well, I look particularly fetching, actually, if you know. And, and I've still got a picture of it, of me looking absolutely petrified. And this woman sort of draped all over me. And everybody in the studio laughing. Ha, 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 ha. I don't think. Quarter past six. News headlines. Sorry, and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Oh. Mark went to Butlins three times with his nan and granddad when I was young. Some of the best days of my life. We never did holiday camps. I think, I think my parents thought they were a bit down market. You know, going to Butlins. Now, the producer went, but of course you'd expect that, wouldn't you, really? Spent most of her life in a caravan with Lucky Pegs and Heather. And, uh, but I mean, I just never thought that holiday camps were the thing. We saw that, I mean, perhaps they were too expensive for us. I don't think we did, because we did caravan holidays. So, you know, we didn't actually need to go to Pontins or Butlins or Warner Brothers or Haven or anybody else, because it would have been like Coles to Newcastle, because we'd already done that kind of thing. And because it was a free fun fair. Actually, that was the other thing I was going to r- remind you of. Yesterday, when I was at the Cenotaph, and they, all the people come through, and there are thousands that come through to lay reeds, and one of them was the Showman's Guild of Great Britain, you know, the people who operate the fun fairs, because during the war, I mean, there were lots of showmen who went and joined up, plus... In order to keep the country still smiling, you know, whilst all around us was uh, hell and damnation, uh, they were keeping the fun fairs going. So that was quite good. It's the first time I'd ever seen them there. I'm sure they must have been there on, in previous years. So that, that I was quite, uh, quite impressed with. So I, I liked that as well. Uh, Paul, who very kindly wins the uh, Hinge and Bracket uh, website and keeps alive the memory of those uh, dear ladies. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's got a new look to it. The Hinge and Bracket website. It's so funny. When you go onto YouTube, and I've, I've discovered YouTube, and I keep rediscovering it every so often. I go there and I type something in, and I think, oh, crikey. And I was tempted the other day, I've, there's no reason apart from it just sort of popped into my mind, of uh, Danny LaRue. So I put Danny LaRue in, and there's lots of appearances of Danny LaRue on 321, on The Good Old Days, on a show, Danny at the Palace. Uh, Danny at the Prince of Wales, where I went to see him years and years ago, wearing some of these fantastic outfits. And I remember thinking that, and it's all up on, on YouTube, everything. You, you type something in, you will find it. And it's really, really good. So it's wor- worthwhile doing. You'll probably find all sorts of things about people at holiday camps. But uh, we didn't go. Did you share a chalet? Did you have a chalet? No. What, were your parents? Yeah, no, with, your, with, your, with your family. Did you go and did you have a chalet? Did you ha- put me in a separate one. Really? Oh, well, I would have thought with your, with your diseases that were <laughs> contagious at the time, I would have thought perhaps a separate one would be... Quarantine, I was thinking of. <laughs> exactly. I think it couldn't get any colder, can it? I mean, any colder than this would be having ice cubes inside here. It's very cold this morning. You watch Nickel walk in and go... A bit chilly in it. Do you know, it's warmer outside. I could walk outside in a T-shirt. There was a couple the other day in Twickenham. It was freezing cold on Friday, and they're walking about a kid and the parents all in T-shirts. And I've got my coat on, my scarf on, practically, you know, a hat and all the rest of it. Um, if you saw um, 
take that. And actually, X Factor this week probably had to have the best lineup, apart from the fact that everybody disagrees with uh, with the judges. They're, they're a bit they're a bit lame now. They just seem to be arguing amongst themselves, and I'm not sure if it's believable or if they're just putting it on for the sake of newspaper coverage. And uh, I couldn't care less. At the end of the day, they're all touring. And uh, two or three of them will end up with a with a contract, and then in a few months' time we'll have another program on the television, and we'll forget about them. Because jo- I don't know what Joe McKeldry's going to do, but he can't have shifted anything at all. So I'm a little bit worried about that one there. But having seen Take That, and having seen Robbie Williams, having what I can only describe as another one of his pre-breakdowns, I mean, he, he didn't appear that he was back with Take That at all. I don't know about back for good, just about struggling through the performance, nodding his head like he was one of those uh, things you used to have over a glass of water years ago that sort of dipped in and then came back up again and then dipped in. And uh, the rest of them looked like they were supporting him. So, and also, looking old, the rest of them have seemed to have... Perhaps it's because we've seen more of them than him, but they appear to have hung on to their youthful good looks. And Gary Barlow writes a mean song. And Robbie just looked like the old man who's been smoking about 700 fags a day for his life and uh, hasn't really known what to do, and he looked a bit out of place. And I was a bit worried about that because people have bought tickets for the show. I'm sure it'll be good. Whether or not he'll he'll be any good, I think, remains to be seen. Uh, Barbara Windsor, Queen of Show Business, getting her uh, lifetime's work in showbiz honoured for the, the uh, Variety Club Awards. 60 years. Does not seem possible. I can always say with Barbara, I've had her bottom on the seat of my car. I can always say that, you know. And the rest of her, of course. I didn't just get the bottom, I got the whole bit. Sitting on the seat of the car. Twice, actually. Twice. But she's doing uh, pantomime. She's doing pantomime. She's down in Bristol. I always think, how appropriate, Barbara Windsor is doing pantomime in Bristol. You know, the one thing that has made Barbara's career over the years is her Bristols. It would have to be said that uh, that, that would, would be what she was famous for. I quite like the um, celebrity dancing thing the other night. I was l- slightly worried when Gavin Henson, with the slightly odd hairstyle, went over and kissed Bruno Tonioni. On the lips, which is okay. That's kind of that's sort of not really show business. I mean, it, it's showing his sort of feminine side. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he, he was out the other night at London's Cafe de Paris, pictured with somebody called Gemma Atkinson. Gavin, run away from her very, very quickly. She's publicity crazy. Okay. She'll drag anybody through through the newspapers. Okay. There you go. Uh, which is good. And uh, bad news: one in four men admit they faked sex to spare their partner's feelings. So there you go. Lucky to have a partner, I suppose, to start with in this day and age. <laughs> I always laugh at those sort of surveys. I think, who have you asked? They never asked me. I've never been asked any of these kind of sexual surveys. Nobody's ever come knocking on the door or picked up the phone and going, hi, uh, we're doing a survey on how much sex uh, you're getting. You know, because I just... Uh, all you get from me is tears. The other... <laughs> you know, and then they get, so can we help you? I remember once we were phoned up by, um... What was the programme? Oh, um... Family fortunes. Well, you know, one in one in a hundred people when surveyed. We we got phoned up at work. Yeah, they actually do phone people up. They have researchers, and they phoned us. You know, given the choice of, you know, what would you rather go out with, a broom, a brush, or you know, what? And then you have to go. I'd rather go out with a broom, or you know, would you, and and they did that. And I thought I'm not watching this program because it was so rubbish. Because you've got Vernon Kay doing it, and that's it's really dire. They have celebrity uh, family fortunes. Well, I mean, half the time I've never heard of these people. It's really that bad at the moment. I mean, it's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Dreadful. Nicholas says, you did warn us. What a dire lot they've chosen for get me out of here. But not even you could have thought they'd be this bad. They are particularly bad. At the moment, it's, it's touch and go 
whether Gillian McKeith makes it to the end of the day or whether she goes, get me out of here. And I have a feeling she will walk. Because apparently there are people in it who weren't going to be in it before. They were brought in because some people walked out. We were told that Gail Porter was going in. Whether or not it was ever signed, I don't know. And then uh, she didn't, so somebody else went in there. Nadine Coyle. She can't sing for Toffee. Did you see her doing her news? Oh, it's awful. Uh, apparently, she and her family were almost gassed to death at her rambling Californian mansion. Well, I've had a look at the picture of Nadine Kaur's rambling Californian mansion. And to be honest with you, I've seen bigger houses in Florida. I think the papers just make things up. They try and pretend that she's doing a little bit better than she is. Because I've got friends in Florida who've got bigger houses than this. Simple as that. Um, Dan... He says, uh, can I wish you a Merry Christmas, in case we don't speak before? Which I thought about Dan the other day. I kept looking at buses as they go past, thinking, I haven't seen Dan for ages. But he says, uh, how cold is it? Listen, don't talk to me about cold. I live in a fridge in this studio. I must be the only radio presenter in living memory who sits here with a muffler and gloves on during the programme. I'm the only person. Lovely picture. If you want uh, proof of uh, the fact that Robbie Williams is not really back, we take that. Have a look at the sun today. Robbie's doing his, I'm off with the pixies, look at the end. And all the boys are looking very happy and not at him. And uh, there's, there's definitely body, body language and chemistry, which isn't, isn't quite happening at all. Uh, also, the paper today, oh, I, I mentioned earlier on that Kate and Jerry McCann are going to write a book about Maddie, called quite simply, wait for this, Madeline. It's going to be about uh, the events of that ninth, night as we come up to the fourth anniversary. Um, to be honest with you, I, I thought we knew everything. I'm not sure who would actually go and buy a book. It'll be serialised, and then they can top up the, uh, the coffers again. I just see this going on for, forever. I don't know what they do. I've got no idea where they go from here at all, I'm afraid. I, you just have to hope that uh, things sort themselves out. Uh, what do women look at when they eye a man up? Come on, hands up. I can tell you in the paper today, is bottom. Most women, according to the paper today, 57% reckon it's the most attractive part of a fella's body. <laughs> Suckers. I don't think so. 56% find the eyes most alluring. Who have they asked? Who have they asked? Why would you... Exactly, they've asked nobody round here. Then comes the mouth, 22%. The chest and legs, both 20%, and hair. Who have they asked for this ridiculous survey? Oh, it's a jeans company. Oh, how ridiculous. That's why they've said bottom, isn't it? How ridiculous. You've never heard of them. I'm not going to credit them either. But uh, an 11% of adults have had sex with somebody they met on Facebook. Do you know, honestly, every time I open up the papers, I'm more depressed about all these sort of sexy things which are going on, and, and none of it, sadly, affects me. LBC... Morning, everybody. Janet says, my family, Steve, only stopped going to holiday camps last year. We always went to Harcourt Sands on the Isle of Wight. See, we didn't do holiday camps at all. I think, incidentally, sorry to tell you, yeah, we were in a caravan. We thought caravans were sort of, was that down market caravan? We liked our little touring caravan, a little Sprite Musketeer or something like that. And uh, I used to love it because you'd, you'd put, you'd load up the caravan with, you know, soup, and uh, we well, spent our time in our youth eating a lot of soup. We never, I don't seem to remember us having anything else but soup. I think sometimes we had fish and chips. Small wonder I'm a diabetic. And, um, and we used to go to holiday camps, and we'd, not holiday camps, into um, caravan sites, 
and we sort of be, you know, towing the caravan, then we'd pull it in, and then you'd have to jack the legs up, you know, and you put little blocks of wood underneath there, and then you get the, the step out from the caravan, and then a mum would go and she'd say, I'll get some soup, and we go, oh, good, soup. We get excited. Which flavour do you want? What do we got? Tomato. Okay, we'll have tomato. And then we'd have crusty bread, and we'd sit there eating soup. We were quite easily pleased as youngsters. I could eat tomato soup now, with some bread, with sort of butter on, because I've started buying this easy spread butter. Because I can't bear to get the butter out of the fridge and wait two days while it defrosts. So I tend to buy the easy spread butter, in which case it goes so easy spread that you might as well just pour it onto the bread. But I quite like that, dipping it in, in soup. That's, that's quite, not good for you, but it, it's quite nice and pleasing. Or filling that just fresh, crusty bread. But I'm sure we lived on soup. I don't remember having any other food apart from soup. That's all it was. Cup of tea and some soup, which is good news. Uh, Noreen says, can you believe the mermaid is nearly here? Well, do you know, I cannot believe it. It's the 15th of November, and uh, when's our show at the Mermaid? The 4th. 4th of December. Two shows, uh, both sold, been sold out for months and months now, and I can't believe it's practically here. She's so looking forward to uh, meeting up with everybody and, uh, and the Steve Allen pals. They're all going to be there. They're all going to be there. Hope Anthony gets better very soon. He sent me a text yesterday. They've now worked out what it is he's got. They think it's something to do with his spray that he's been using. So I think he's been given something else. So he should be back. In fact, he will be back next week. I'm almost putting, not quite putting money on. I don't want to tempt fate just yet, but I think he will absolutely be right. Did you agree with the X Factor results? No, I didn't. I thought they were both dreadful. In fact, I thought most... You know, to me, it makes no difference when they go, oh, it's an Elton John weekend or it's this. I couldn't care less. makes no difference. But why pick a song for Katie that is an Elton John... Saturday night's all right for fighting. I mean, she couldn't sing for Toffee. And it, it just exposed how bad she was. Uh, Wagner was even worse. And Aidan, what a dull person. He just uh, appears to have no personality. There's, there's just nothing going... And you think the whole business about show business is that you've got to have a person it's no good standing there just oh yeah and he just stood there staring thought say something you know if somebody said to me well how do you feel i've gone well you know all, all he said was oh you know and he said something very very stupid it was something along the lines of what goes around comes around or you know it's got to be somebody and i thought you know you surely you can come up with something a bit better than that but he didn't so back to blackpool for you uh, and then he said and then um Dermot O'Dreary said, what would you like to do now? And I thought, well, go back home and stack shelves. I don't know where you think you're going to go. What, what are we going to do? You know, you, you, you haven't won this thing. You're so far down the list. They're not going to put you into Les Miserables, are they? It's not going to be that kind of uh, show at all. Many years ago, says Pat, uh, my sister ran a super B&B in Norfolk. One night the doorbell rang and my six-year-old nephew answered it and came back to tell his parents that Mary and Joseph were at the door. I, I told them we had no rooms as I heard you say, we were full. I said we had a shed they could use. <laughs> said the couple was safely directed to another B&B. <laughs> Imagine. I love that. It's good. Uh, 84850. Colin says, if the McCanns are writing a book talking about the events of the night, I think they're going to be talking about everything. I think they... Although, I'm sure it's been in all the interviews. Will they be revealing how the heck they thought it was a good idea to leave their children alone. I think that's the, that's the whole problem with this, Colin, isn't it? I think they're, they're well aware of the, of, of the problem, and it's if, 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 if we hadn't done this, if we hadn't done that. I've said countless times before, I don't know many people who go off in a strange place and leave, leave the children, but that's something they're having to live with for the rest of their life. And I think they know that. I, I just didn't think that they were very well advised when they started criticising the government for not doing anything. It's not up to the British government to do anything. It's the Portuguese who should be doing it. It's got nothing to do with us at all. We weren't out there. And uh, they've already spent nearly £2 million. 
and they've got no nearer. Where they think other people can, can go with this, I don't know. Nick Ferrari this morning. We'll no doubt be talking about that. Also, the release of the Chandlers. What next? I'll be talking to Terry Waite. Miranda Green will be looking through the papers. And uh, in the wake of last week's student protests, or the small minority, uh, Nick will be asking if we're facing a, a winter of discontent. Uh, plus, retailers rushing to Oxford Street. Why so desirable? I don't know how they afford it in Oxford Street. It must be an absolute fortune. And books for Christmas. Trashy biogs. Jonathan Chalit uh, will be uh, with Nick at quarter to ten this morning. Because there will be a whole rush of, of biogs coming out. At, there always are. And sometimes it's people who've been around for a very short space of time and they go, I think I'll do a biog. And you think, we've been here two minutes. It's like Cheryl Cole's done a biog. Who cares? She's only about five, isn't she? I mean, what's the point of doing... You know, she's been on television. We've heard her sort of discussing... They didn't want to talk about anything about that strange dancer she knows in America called Derek, with a very tight white T-shirt and a dog under his arm. She didn't want to talk about that, and that's the only bit we're interested in. Do you have a boyfriend? No. Do you think you're going to get any taller? No. Can you sing? Not really. You know, do you think you're a very good manufactured person? Yes. Have you had some bad publicity? Yes. Did you appear in court once? Yes. Why don't you talk about the rest of your family? Don't. You know, that kind of... That's what we want to know. I don't want to read all the sanitised rubbish. I mean, the rest of it, I know. We know she has a makeup artist. We know she looked like Minnie Mouse over the weekend with that peculiar hairstyle. Very, very odd indeed. Uh, everybody talking in the papers today about take that back. It was magical. No, it wasn't. It was very, very strange. Uh, did uh, Louis Walsh get it right? Or was he having his time of the month, as Simon so aptly described it, when he told... Um, Wagner, he looked like a young Elton John. You could only assume that Louis either needs glasses and needs to wear them very, very quickly, or Elton John's going to be suing. I mean, what part of Wagner did Louis think looked like a young Elton John? The fact that he had very little of his own hair, or he'd grown a stall mus- a, a, a moustache. I mean, just I just didn't understand that bit at all. But then last week he said to Paige, you remind me of a, of a young Lenny Henry. A lot of things remind Louis of young people, don't they? I, I find the whole thing a little bit disturbing. And then, um... They've got... It's, a, it's an old page filler in the paper today, especially in the Express on uh, Champion Chumps on Quiz Shows. And it's, uh, it's, it's clips taken from, um, for example, here, uh, Anne Robinson on The Weakest Link. Who wrote Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? Contestant, Dr Seuss. You know, it's, it's these kind of stupid things. Who was the first man on the moon? Contestant, Louis Armstrong. OK, another one here. Uh, this morning with Richard and Judy. John Leslie. <laughs> you remember him. What kind of creature is a halibut? Contestant, a bird. John Leslie, no, wrong, try again. Contestant, a ferret. I mean, <laughs> you're not sure whether or not it's just the stupidity. I do know a very funny one, which I cannot repeat because it's too rude on the programme. And I, no, I, I, can't, I can't remember it exactly, but it, it is very funny. Uh, one here. This is from uh, Radio Norfolk. Who had a worldwide hit with It's a Wonderful World? Contestant, I don't know. Stuart, I'll give you a couple of clues. What do you call the part between your hand and your elbow? Contestant, arm. Stuart, correct. And if you're not weak, you're... Contestant, strong. Stuart, correct. And what was Lord Mountbatten's first name? Contestant, Louis. Stuart, well, there we have then. Who had a hit with It's a Wonderful World? Contestant, Frank Sinatra. I mean... (laughs) You just give up, don't you? I mean, I have said before, as you get further up the country, they do become balmier and balmier. Um, Family Feud on CBS. Host, name a reason you might stay inside on a beautiful day. Contestant, it's raining. Host, name a singer who's known by one name. Contestant, Michael Jackson. 
<laughs> Just name a fruit found in tarts. Contestant. Sweet tarts. <laughs> Sweet tarts. I think Family Feud is Family Fortunes. I think it's the American version. <laughs> From Family Fortunes with Les Dennis. Name something a bridegroom might wear. Contestant. Address. <laughs> if you're doing a sham marriage, possibly. Name a famous robber. Contestant. Cops. <laughs> Cops. <laughs> Name a famous bridge. Contestant. Uh, the Bridge Over Troubled Waters. <laughs> just, they, get so, they get so stupid, these. They're worth repeating, because you cannot believe they <laughs> One here from a, another radio station. What do you call the indigenous people of Australia? Contestant. Australians. <laughs> another one from Anne Robinson. In traffic, what J is where two roads meet? Contestant. Dual carriageway. God. I mean, they are thick on the weakest link, aren't they? You've only got to look at them. I mean, it is tattoo land now. They've obviously scraped the barrel as far as it can go. <laughs> from the weakest link as well, finally, from Anne Robinson. In government organisations, what does the letter M stand for in MI5 and MI6? Contestant, murder. <laughs> Actually, possibly right, I would imagine, on that one. So there you go. You can read more on those as a book out at the uh, moment. I don't suppose anyone's going to ask the government whether they've paid any money to a third party for the release of the couple, says John. No, the government have stated quite categorically they never pay anything. This has come from a private person. Nothing to do with the government at all. Uh, 84850. Uh, and Val says, I think Steve Allen is very wrong in saying it's cheaper to go abroad than to go to Pontins. Blooming well is, love. Always has been for years. Always has been. You need to go abroad more. You need to get out there. Have you got a passport? Get out there. Go on, go and enjoy yourself abroad. I can remember years ago going to Spain for £11 for a weekend, including food, flights and everything else. You can go really, really cheaply. Really, really cheaply. You must go, actually, dear. It's nice. You mustn't stick in pontins all the time. You're probably a soup person, aren't you? I can tell. But as the uh, only person on LBC to have gone to both the Remembrance Service at the Royal Albert Hall and the Cenotaph yesterday, uh, I can only say that it made you feel immensely proud to be British, to go there and... Uh, share time with people who are very like-minded. At the Albert Hall, the security was paramount. It took me ten minutes to go through security because as I got there, I suddenly realised big mistake. It's like going through airport security. They've got the scanners and you've got to empty your pockets. Well, I had a ton of stuff. In fact, I had so much stuff in my pockets that I had two plastic bags to load up. So I did that. I go through, and the policeman, as I went through, and it all went beep, 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 beep. He said, you know, he said, you have the distinction of being the only person to light up all my lights today. He said, what have you got in your pockets? I said, where do we begin? And so thus begun ten minutes of very exciting uh, conversation with the police down there. But it was fantastic. Everybody was very good-natured. It was fantastically produced. But the star of the show, apart from the service men and the sentiment, was... Uh, was the girl who was uh, singing... I've now forgotten a complete name, actually, who was in Wicked. And she was... I can't remember her name. It's a, a complete mental block. But she was the first one off with Brian May. Come to me in a minute. And uh, she was best. She's been on the... Uh, she's been on In Conversation, I'm pretty certain. But she was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and never got an introduction. Had to read the, the programme. But it was, it was well worth it. A very, very special evening. 14 to 7. <laughs> With the news headlines. And have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Slightly worrying, the, uh, the Chandlers, 
speaking in Mogadishu yesterday, the couple who were held for, oh, crikey, for such a long, long time. Apparently, the uh, 250000 was paid by relatives uh, after a, an airdrop in June. That was then deemed insufficient, and uh, the captors later received an additional sum, believed to be about 150,000. So in total, probably about uh, 253, about 400,000 pounds for their release. But they've said that they can't wait to go back to sea again. Can I maybe advise you, maybe not at the moment? Although considering when, when we first heard about the, uh, the Chandlers, I didn't know anything about them. I knew nothing about their lifestyle. I just assumed, in fact, it was described to everybody as the fact that they had no money when they were caught by the Somalian pirates. And that's why they said, listen, we don't have any money. Their relatives managed to come up with a quarter of a million, so that's not, uh, that's not bad going. And, and then there was a thing on the television this morning which showed a picture of their house. Blimey. Doesn't look too bad. But I thought that they'd sunk all their life savings into this boat, and that's why they had no money left. Quite clearly, there's people in their family who have got a bit of money. Freezing in Shepparton, says Will. It's quite cold in the studio. As I say, if the window was open, it couldn't be colder. And um, Will Pontins die. Dragon's Den, Deborah Meaden. Sold out of holiday parks, which would suggest she sees less future in them. I, just, I didn't know that's what she was in, actually, Deborah Mean. I think they should find somebody else on Dragon's Den. I think we should have, you know, they've all made quite enough money out of it. And I think, you know, it's about time that the BBC stopped having programmes where people are allowed to line their own pockets at our expense. We actually pay for these programmes. And then what they do is they give it to them. And then these very rich people sit there and decide how they're going to be even richer. And they don't put anything back. And so I think every year they should find some new entrepreneurs and we get rid of James Kahn and we get rid of Peter and we get rid of Deborah Meaden and we put some new people in there. Because otherwise it just becomes... Why should they even bother making any effort? They have a programme where somebody comes up with an idea and they go, oh, I'll give you £20,000, you know, but I want 50% stake in your business. And I'm thinking, I'm sure that this is, this is just slightly wrong, isn't it? I'm not quite seeing this one at all. So, uh, but I have no idea what, what businesses they're all in. I just know it obviously makes a lot of money for somebody, and it tends to be them most of the time. Times this morning, talking about the battle for Burma. Underneath that, freedom at a price. The couple seized on their yacht a year ago, head for home. They say they're, they're fine, apart from being a bit skinnier. Perhaps we should just put a lot of very, very overweight people on yachts and send them out there, because it's a great way of losing weight, isn't it? You don't need to go on any special diets or pay any money. We just send you out there, and, uh, and eventually the weight uh, falls off. The overjoyed crowds on the front of the Independent, celebrating the release of uh, Ong Young San Su Kai, giving the uh, message that she now wants to talk to the military junta. Uh, page three is 40 years old. And the summer celebrate 40 years old. Good Lord. Doesn't seem possible, does it? So they've got different... I love the, reading all the Page 3 girls' blurbs. And today it's a girl called Holly. And Holly is impressed by paleontologists. Holly doesn't quite look as though she's got the intelligence to actually know what the word paleontologist means. But she says it's amazing how scientists derive this 65 million years after the winged creatures die out. I mean, she's quite an intelligent one. I mean, brains and beauty. I mean, really, you could sit down with Holly, and Holly comes from... Well, we don't really know where Holly comes from. There isn't anything. Kerry Ellis, incidentally. Kerry Ellis was the girl at the Royal Albert Hall. Not Adina Menzel. It was Kerry Ellis who uh, has done a lot of collaborations with Brian May. He was playing guitar. As I, I said yesterday, I knew there was something going on when the dry ice started coming out from the orchestra pit. <laughs> Had a fantastic orchestra and chorus. Just, it's just the best, one of the best nights. If you want, you know, it's, it's like going to a, a show where it just has such a lasting uh, impression on you. And every time I've been, 
every time I walk out, just completely drained emotionally and mentally. And uh, such was the case on Saturday night. So well done to everybody. Certainly a lot better than the Cenotaph, where halfway up Whitehall, you couldn't hear a thing. And it was such a shame, because the speaker's up there and loads of loads and loads of people. The, uh, the security... Strangely enough, I thought there would have been a no-flight zone over Whitehall. But two planes went over as we were observing the silence, and I was watching them, which I found uh, quite interesting. I thought there'd been a no-flight zone uh, completely. But it was, it was very, very good, very, very well organised. Royal Albert Hall, not so great uh, down at Whitehall, but that's the place where you can drive down today and you'll see all the, uh, the reeds and the, the poppy reeds. David Beckham in all the papers today on a skateboard. It's boiling hot sunshine in Los Angeles, and here's David Beckham in a beanie hat. I only assume somebody said, well, why do you wear a beanie hat? And uh, there's a bloke here, uh, Bob Muse. He was caught on Google Street View. 56 years old, and he was 21 stone. 21 stone uh, because he'd gorged on cakes, crisps and biscuits. Grew so fat that medically he was classed as morbidly obese. So when I say to people, I mean, I did say the other day, quite cruelly, I thought, that Alison Hammond, it would be quite a good idea sending her out to the jungle, because, uh, although I haven't seen a picture of her, I've seen a picture of Lembit Dreary Opic and a few other naff people out there, but I haven't seen Alison Hammond, and she really does need to lose a lot of weight out there. But this bloke saw himself on Google's side-on photo in a tent-like grey shirt. So over the year, he slimmed down to just over 14 stone. I mean, that's quite some going. 21 stone, three pounds, down to 14. And uh, all he's done here, he hired a personal trainer and he's ditched fatty foods for salads, fruit, vegetables and protein-rich foods. It's all it is. I've said to you before, look, you don't need to buy special food. Just eat the stuff you can buy in the shops and and little and often. And the ex- It's the exercise which is, which is the best bit for you. Even walking, you know, brisk walking or slow walking to start with. Seems difficult first day you do it, but I promise you... After you've done the first day, it gets better and better. And then that you'll almost be chomping at the bit to get out there. Not much fun in winter, I know, but if you can do it in winter, you can certainly do it in the, uh, the summer. Uh, Daily Express this morning, it's uh, Paul and Rachel, 388 days. They must have thought, I suppose, on numerous occasions that that could have been their last. And the fact that he- here's one to please most of you who are overweight. Scientists are working on a new range of slimming pills after the discovery of a gene, that's G-E-N-E, that causes people to put on weight. Well, that explains it all. That explains it all. It's a gene that makes you put on weight. There's me thinking it was doner kebabs and chicken and all the other stuff, which is absolutely no good for you whatsoever. But uh, let me just reiterate again, thank you very much indeed for all the money that you raised last week for Help a London Child. And uh, go to the LBC website and you can find out about uh, trekking through the Himalayas next next October. So you've got lots of time to get yourself in shape. Uh, I'm back with you tomorrow morning. If you go to the LBC website as well, check out the pictures. You can check out the uh, extra pictures that we put on of Los Angeles. And it's Boxing Day that you'll hear the remainder of the interview with Dame Julie Andrews that we did out in Los Angeles uh, a few weeks ago. And if you missed the first little tiny, we gave you a taster yesterday on the programme. So if you podcast Sunday's programme, you can catch up with the uh, with that. Uh, Nick will be talking about lots of things this morning, including uh, the the Remembrance Day service the other day. Uh, Plus 388 days now. Very, very happy to be alive. I bet they are. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at five. Keep the station. LBC 97.3. Nick and team after the news at seven. First of all, today's business update with Sam P.